listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I told you yesterday, hey, Arm, if you have questions, have them ready for today. And at the end of this broadcast, we'll take some questions, give some answers. Glad you're on. Get out a pen, some paper, your Bible, and uh, you're definitely not, not going to want to miss today. You saw it in the title, so Dad, you're dealing with <clears throat> how to reverse a prophecy. Yeah, and I'll tell you what I feel in my spirit. We're at a critical time for our world. And end time events are recorded in the Bible, what we could expect as we come closer to the coming of Jesus. But now those Bible prophecies are the headlines in our newspaper. Mm -hmm. I'm so um, stirred in my heart to, with the spirit of compassion, to help you, to help people, to help God's people. And I had this thought, I was praying this morning, what's the greatest way that I could help you build your faith, encourage you? And I began to think about the wonderful Holy Spirit. I began to think about when we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I thought about the scripture, a threefold cord is not easily broken. My dad used to say, God is my father. Jesus is my brother. And the devil is no relation at all. <laughs> I always like that. We have a relationship when we receive Jesus Christ as our savior. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Bible teaches us that through one man's sin, that would be Adam. Sin and death entered into the world, came upon all men. And again, St. John's Gospel, we're reminded God so loved the world. He loves you. He loves your family. loves your children, your grandchildren, if you have any. And he gave. Love causes the spirit of giving. Now think about this. God only had one son and he gave his son for you, for me, for the world. Now look at how many sons and daughters the Lord has now. Millions of people, they profess their faith in Jesus Christ. So the law of sowing and reaping, which is found in your Bible in Genesis 8, chapter 22 as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest, as long as this earth is here. It also said there's going to be summer and there's going to be winter. And uh, that's why global warming is uh, not a biblical teaching. It's a teaching of man. Of course, I'm not going to get into that, but it's being used for, for many things politically. But the earth's going to be here a while. And when Jesus comes, it's still going to be here another thousand years before he makes the new heaven and the new earth. 
this planet's not going anywhere soon. And God is still in control, but he's given authority to those that receive Christ. So when God gave his only begotten son, Ted, it's the only one he had, that law of sowing and reaping, Genesis 8, 22, God himself received back millions upon millions of sons and daughters through their faith in Jesus Christ. And then again, the Bible says in Romans, Paul wrote to the Italian church. He said, all have sinned. Mm -hmm. We read that, of course, in the gospel. But he speaks of the fact that there is a redemption. And he said to the Italian church there in the book of Romans, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart God raised him, from the dead, you'll be saved. Now, how did sin come? By what Eve said to Adam and by what she believed against God. God reverses it and says, believe in Christ, confess Jesus. So what man did with his tongue in the garden and with his believing, because you see the serpent said, did God really say not to do this? And when you act upon any word that the enemy sows, any word that the enemy sows, then fear, death, destruction, it'll come upon you. But when you say, Jesus, I'm going to act on God's word, and you begin to pray like that and talk like that, it reverses the curse. Now, Paul wrote to the church in Galatia in the third chapter. He speaks of the fact that, well, let's just turn to it. Sometimes we quote these things and we're not helping the people. Galatians chapter three, if you have it on your phone where you're at or your computer, laptop or your Bible, let's take a look at this a moment. I love this. In my Bible, I've underlined it many, many times because I believe in memorizing the word. It helps you. But look at Galatians chapter 3, everybody. Paul says in verse 13, Christ, that's Jesus, has redeemed us from the curse of of the law. Now the law is recorded in Moses's, what we call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, Deuteronomy being one. And the Bible says, Moses said to the children of Israel, if you fail to listen or hearken to the word of the Lord, to keep his commandments, to do his statutes or the things he's put forward, then all these curses will come on you. It doesn't mean God's putting a curse on you. No, there's a devil that has to be dealt with. These curses will come on you. And they boil down into three categories in Deuteronomy under the curse of the law. Number one, the Bible speaks of sicknesses and diseases, all these sicknesses, all these diseases. And then in another part of Deuteronomy says, and even those that are not written 
in the book, the book of the law, which speaks of new diseases. Satan's always thinking of a way to bring another plague, another disease. And we've got to teach people how to stay healed. We've got to teach people how to overcome. And this particular conflict that we're dealing with in, in the world, it really is not that bad if you think about it in light of history. But you see, there's a serpent in the garden in our day. The media, they're, they're blowing up things. and 99.7% now of the people in the United States are recovered. Sad for those that did not. I had a preacher say to me, he said, you know, my people aren't ready for me to open the church. I said, what are you talking about? Well, he said, I don't know if they're prepared. He meant spiritually, scripturally. Well, that would be on him, wouldn't it? That would be his fault for not teaching his own people how to have faith in God. I'm telling you, have faith in God. There's nothing that can happen to you, my friend, that God can't do something about it. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing even as I'm talking to you. Glory to God. There's nothing that can happen to you that God can't do something about it. We have to build our faith. Now, we're going to deal in a moment. Hello, Sister Heidi. We're going to deal in a moment with the area of prophecy. Prophecy. Moses, the Bible says, was a prophet. Jesus was a prophet like unto Moses. So when Moses was speaking these things, he gave two sides to the coin because there was the blessing Teddy that was involved. If you do keep God's word, if you do these things, then none of these diseases shall come upon you. I was dealing with a woman the other night who had severe diabetes and I was talking like this and encouraging her like this and we got the report her sugar levels are gone down to normal she just needed to hear that Jesus heals sugar diabetes well this is the whole basis of healing whatever you have need of there's not a sickness or a disease if you obey the word of God that God cannot heal he's able to do that which is exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or that you could even think in your mind, God is able. God is able. Type that in your comments. God is able. We serve a delivering God. We serve a mighty God. Our God is able. He's able to heal all sicknesses, the Bible says. He's able to heal all diseases. God is able. I dare you to type it in with faith. I dare you to type those three powerful words of faith. West Falloon, God bless you, sir. God is able. He is able to heal. He's able to save to the uttermost. I don't care how bad you may have messed up in life. That precious shed blood of the cross, it cleanses us from all sins. God is able. I said God is able. When you type that in, you're saying, I believe God. When you type those three words, God is able, at this part of our Facebook, Teddy, we're saying we believe. Connie Berry, delivered from cancer there in Canada. God is able. 
She ought to type it in three times. Glory to God. One for the Father, <laughs> one for the Son, one for the Holy Ghost. Amen. God is able. Now, the law represented that which Moses gave to the children of Israel as God gave it to him. Now, coming over on the other side of the cross, Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us, Paul the Apostle said, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. Notice it didn't say he did away with the blessing of it. He just redeemed us from the curse of it. So the blessing works through Jesus. Amen. Woo, glory to God forevermore. Amen. There's a blessing coming to you right now because your God is able. There is an anointing. That's when you feel the power. What is the anointing? It's the ability, the power, the force, the nature of God. Sometimes you feel it come on your body. You get goosebumps. I have a friend, every time I preach, he feels, he says, look, goosebumps, Holy Ghost is here. <laughs> but you can feel it. This gospel I preach can be felt. This gospel I preach, you need to tell it. Hallelujah. Felt and tell. Glory to God. God is able. Amen. Praise God. Now, the blessings at work. But the Bible says Christ, that's Jesus. The next word, hath, past tense. Everything that God's going to do to bless you, everything God's going to do to heal you, everything God is going to do to prosper you, make you successful, he already did it. Christ hath, past tense. Someone said, I'm waiting to be healed. He already did it. All you got to do is learn how to get it, how to receive it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law found there in Deuteronomy. Well, it goes on to say, son, being made a curse for us. In other words, Jesus was like a Holy Ghost sponge. He sucked in all of sin's power. He took in all sicknesses and diseases on the cross. He filled himself up with what the Bible called a curse. Then he destroyed it by his death on the cross. And the Bible goes on to say, for cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That, you know, Easter's coming, Good Friday, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter, resurrection. Glory to God. I thank God for Jesus. Amen. <laughs> I thank God for Jesus. And notice Palm Sunday came first. You got to praise God before you ever see the victory. You got to praise God in the streets and lift your hands. No matter what others say, if you don't praise him, the rocks are going to cry out. Yes. You ought to praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Some of our friends in another denomination, they'll put ashes on their head and they'll go through all of that. But thank God the day comes when he'll give you the oil of joy for mourning. The ashes are gone. The palm tree leaf may wither, but Christ remains forever and forever and forever and forever. Yes. Because when he rose from the dead, he sealed the deal. Yes, he did. And when he sealed that deal for you, your family, your children, grandchildren, and he sealed that deal for our world, now all the world's going to do is receive it. I receive it. Hallelujah. Amen. You can type that in. 
Not only is God able, but now our part, I receive. I receive. I receive. Yes. Type that in. It'll help you to follow me in this teaching today. I receive. Amen. Are you a receiver? When I used to play football, I started out as a guard on the front line. And they had a screen play where the guard would pull and so forth to open up the side for a pass. Well, uh, when the um, coach saw how quick I could get over, he said, maybe you could be a fullback. So I went from the front line, uh, a right uh, guard, uh, to a fullback, the old T formation. I don't know if you know that or not, son, yep. but that's what we did. Then there was a play where I had to throw the ball. And so one afternoon I whipped that ball and coach said, uh, I might make you the B string quarterback. And so then I moved to quarterback. <laughs> well, you had receivers. You could release, you know, the fullback. You could release the two halfbacks. You could throw to either one of the ends. You had some choices, receivers, and their job was to take it and move the team ahead. Well, it's the same thing spiritually. God wants us to learn how to receive. Type it in. I receive. I receive. And what you're doing when you receive, you're moving yourself ahead. You're going further than you would have gone if you hadn't received. Well, what is it you're receiving? You're receiving the powerful, unadulterated, strong meat of the word of God. The word of God says there is no pandemic. The word of God says there is no disease that Jesus cannot heal. The word of God says there is no sin that the blood of Jesus cannot cover, erase, eradicate, and make you whole. If any man be in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Praise God. Well, then the next verse, Teddy, is the verse that I like as well. Verse 14, that the blessing. You see, when we came over into the day we're living in, yes, there was the curse of the law in that old covenant. Now we have a new covenant through the blood Jesus shed, but the curse didn't come through the blood, but the blessing did. You need to remember that the blessing is greater than the curse. Amen. The blessing is greater than the curse. The blessing is greater than the curse. You know what I've wondered, son, how many people would still be alive if they understood this? How many of God's people died prematurely because they failed to understand that the blessing was greater than the thing that was working against them. Right. The blessing is greater than the curse in the name of Jesus to you, to your family, to those you love. The blessing is greater. Well, it says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What was the promise of the Spirit? 
I want you to think about this. You folks that have studied the Bible, this might be a different thought, but I'm going to give it to you. The promise blessing of Christ was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Spirit was the gifts of the Spirit divided or given out severally as he wills to the believer. The Father promised Jesus and Christ was born. Jesus promised the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God was outpoured and the Spirit promised gifts to you. Glory to God. Amen. We're to covet earnestly the best gifts. We're to desire spiritual gifts. And so there's a progression there that, son, I, I want people to understand God is constantly working. When you can't see him, God's working. When you can't feel him, God's working. When you don't know what the future holds, God is working. Now in 1 Corinthians 12, we find a list of nine, one of the words used there is charis, where we get the word charismatic. One of the nine gifts that I'd like to look at with you today is the gift of prophecy. We don't even have to give our own definition for prophecy, and I'll tell you why. Because the Bible already did. Now the first scripture that comes to my mind is in the book of Revelation, chapter 19 and verse 10. The Bible says that the spirit of prophecy really is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. You have the English Standard Version. Yes. I want him to read this. He just bought me one. I've been reading it. I'm still using my Bible I've had for many, many years. But uh, I'm going to learn a little bit of the scripture out of the English Standard. But listen to this. Revelation 19 and 10. The Bible says, <clears throat> Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you. And your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. But there's something there that he said that goes along with what I'm teaching. You know what it is? You hold it. You hold it. If you're a receiver, you're holding on to something. <laughs> he said, this is Giovante. Hello, buddy. If you are holding something, that means you've received something. If you're holding on to something, you're receiving something. Now, in Corinthians, we're given a threefold definition. Paul gives, and I believe it's what, the 14th chapter, son? Where he says that the gift of prophecy, yeah. the gift of prophecy is given for edification, exhortation, and comfort. 
edification. To edify means to build up, to charge up. But it also, the second meaning of that in the Greek is strengthen. Mm. The true spirit of prophecy is Jesus. And when Jesus begins to move, you're going to be stronger after he touches you. Amen. I'm speaking to somebody. You've been battling weakness in your flesh. I don't know what's causing it. The Lord doesn't tell me, but I'm telling you, after you hear this word today, you're going to be stronger because we're releasing the gift of prophecy to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the wonderful, holy name of Jesus. Glory to God. And so we have edification, means to build up, to charge up, to strengthen. The second word in the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians concerning the gift of prophecy is the area of exhortation. Now, when you exhort, you're speaking. And so in the Old Testament, the word for prophecy in the Hebrew was the word naba. And it meant to speak. To speak, you're going to utter it. And thus the gift of prophecy is an utterance gift. You release it by speaking it. You release it by speaking it. Naba in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament. And it means to speak under a divine unction. Or in other words, when God begins to move on you, he gives you the ability, the unction, the capacity, the force to speak it. To speak it. Now, son, there's been a lot of teaching. And there seems to be a little bit of what I would uh, call an attack against the ministry or the office of the prophet. Part of that is because of ignorance on the part of the people doing the attacking. Because I've listened to their arguments and it's obvious to me they have no idea what the Bible teaches about the gift of prophecy. Yeah, absolutely. Thus, the title of today, How to Reverse a Prophecy. Now, one of the things, good morning, Ted Melton, we love him. One of the things that people say, if it is spoken, if you're a prophet, then it didn't happen. You're a false prophet. You should be stoned. Isaiah was not a false prophet. He was one of God's major prophetic voices to the children of Israel and to us this day. If you have your Bible, I want to show you this. Go to 2 Kings chapter 20. I want to deal with what the Bible deals with. How, hello Peggy. Sanchez, God bless you. Love you. Are you in Indianapolis or Denver? I always get mixed up. I know you got family in Denver, I think. From Tulsa, Augustine. Amen. Janet Jacobs is on. Praise God. Praise God. Now, this is the story. It's the story of a king. 
And Teddy, in those days, the king represents the nation. Mm -hmm. As it goes with the king, so goes the kingdom. Yeah, Denver. Good to see you, Peggy. Um, if the king's in trouble, the nation's in trouble. That's why you should be praying for the president. Looks to me like he's not doing good physically. Instead of criticizing, pray for them that have rule over you. 1 Timothy 2, 22 or 20, I can't remember, but it's in there. You know, Ted, when I would tell people, you should pray for Ronald Reagan, some people get mad. I don't like Reagan. And then the next president came in after him, George Bush. Pray for, I said, pray for George H.W. People get mad. Then Clinton, Bill Clinton came in. I said, we need to pray for President Clinton. People got mad. <laughs> See, praying for leadership has nothing to do with political parties. That's where some of you have been smoking dope or something. I don't know what your problem is. But anyhow, you're to pray for them that have rule over you. Amen. I prayed for President George W. Bush. I prayed for President Obama. I prayed for President Trump. It has nothing to do with your agreement or disagreement. It's obedience. Exactly. See what Tracy said? I like that. It's your obedience to what God said to do. God said, pray for them that have rule over you that you might live or have a peaceable life. Hello, Carl. Lynn Ann's on from California. Glory to God. Well, As a king represents the kingdom, and Hezekiah did, however things go for him, probably that's how it's going to go for the kingdom. This is very important. Mm -hmm. And in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. Teddy, he had a death sentence. Mm -hmm. Wow, can you imagine when people are told there's nothing more we can do. Doctor shakes his head. I can't do anything for you. Get your house in order. You're going to die. Get your house in order. <clears throat> Get your house in order. And the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. And the Lord said, thus saith the Lord. See, prophecy. Yep. Testimony of God, of Christ. Go tell him, set your house in order. For you shall die and not live. Can you imagine if preachers said that today, their churches would be empty. Because everybody thinks... That when you prophesy, and I shouldn't say everybody, but there are some that think, and I've been studying this. It's like they feel anything that's negative, anything that's negative can't be God. Well, does God know the end results? He does. But what if there's something in your journey of faith that will hinder you from having the best possible conclusion to your life? And the Holy Spirit comes 
puts his finger on something, get rid of it. And then he uses someone to confirm his word. And they prophesy to you and they say, thus saith the Lord, you need to do this. And someone said, well, that's negative. No, not if you understand the conclusion is going to be wonderful if you make the change in the beginning. Right. If you make the change in the beginning. Well, Isaiah goes into the throne room. And actually, it's his bedroom because the Bible says Hezekiah is laying on the bed. He delivers the word of the Lord. And what does Hezekiah do? He turns himself to the wall. And the Bible says when he turned his face to the wall, he, he, he prayed. He prayed. Brother Schambach used to preach this. When I was with him, he called this message, How to Reverse a Prophecy. Hmm. You see, we're led by the Spirit. And the Spirit knows the beginning and the end. Paso Corianda. Hallelujah. Amen. And you don't have to have a bad conclusion to your life. It's never God's will for you to suffer. It's never God's will for you to be destroyed. It's never God's will for you to go down in defeat. It's never God's will. Some of you have suffered loss of family. Perhaps you had children that died at a young age. I've been dealing with that with a friend of mine. Perhaps you yourself had a disease that has shortened your life and you've gotten a bad Report. And prophetically, someone may say, do this, make this change, make this change. Oh, Lord. Remember the song, son? Have mercy. I can hear Hezekiah on that bed looking at the wall. Oh, Lord. Have mercy. Oh, Lord, hallelujah, have mercy, have mercy on me. Powerful. He prayed. And then the Bible says he did something else here. He not only prayed unto the Lord, he reminded God of things that he did. He says, Lord... I beseech you right now. I've walked before you in truth. You see, you may not have all of the truth, but the walk of faith is progressive. God only expects you to walk according to the light of the truth you have. And then if you go on to know the Lord, he'll release even more and more by the precious Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, Lord, he says, I've even kept my heart perfect. I've done what's good in your sight. Why did he do that, Ted? I believe it's because the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Yes. And we need to speak, which is a form of prophecy, Naba, I believe he got under the anointing here. How do I know it? Because it moved God. 
It moves God who moved Isaiah. Oh, Lord, I've done that. And when that devil comes, and you mark this down, remember this, every one of you that are watching this, the devil will accuse you from something in your past to rob you of your faith in the present to keep you from the blessings of your future. I'm going to say it again. The devil will accuse you. He'll remind you of something in your past to keep you from operating in faith in your present and to stop you from having the best possible future. Now, here's the thing. The devil is real. And all of his little imps and people that tell you there is no devil, they are demon-possessed, full of the devil. And when we understand that, Satan is a real creature, a real person, created, fallen, evil, destructive. And although the devil's not mentioned here, Hezekiah obviously felt the need to come against any accusation that he didn't love God. See, you can love God and miss it. Here's where a lot of people, uh, you can love God and miss it. I always know when I'm anointed, I always pick up little demons that come along, little foxes. And I think that's good. I think it's good to stir up the devil. Remind him of his future. He's going to burn in the lake of fire forever and forever. Glory. But that's not our story and that's not what's going to happen for us. And Hezekiah is speaking. Now, the fact that it worked, look at this. As he prays this, it came to pass. After Isaiah was gone out, he was in the middle court. The word of the Lord came to him saying, another prophetic word. Another prophetic word. What does God say? Turn again. Really, that's sort of a definition of repentance, isn't it? To turn around, go the other way, metanoia, hallelujah, hamartia. I learned them words in Bible college, which was first century words for Mr. Way Busy. And probably we know a little bit more than you do. Hamartia, to miss the mark. Metanoia, to repent, to turn around and go the other way in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Glory to God. And so Isaiah goes back. Now he prophesies differently. What does he say? I have heard thy prayers, is what God said. I've seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you on the third day. You shall go up into the house of the Lord. Now remember this. Sometimes the gift of prophecy has the word of wisdom in it, Ted. Hmm. When it says these gifts work severally, it, it, it means they can work together. 
Acts 3, the gift of faith. Peter said, look on us. Lays hands on the man, takes him by the hand. He gets the working of miracles. Mm -hmm. Acts 14, Paul perceived the young man had faith to be healed. Working of miracles. They both were crippled from the mother's womb. Two different uh, uh, operations in Acts 3. A different operation in Acts 14. Certain gifts are companion gifts. They work together. And when the word of the Lord comes, there is also the predictive nature of the word of wisdom here. On the third day, you're going to church. Now, that's not prophecy, but that is the word of wisdom. It speaks to your future and a course of action that he needed to take to fully receive what God did. See, and so a lot of times what people call prophecy is really the word of wisdom. Prophecy either edifies you, exhorts you, or comforts you. But when it speaks to the future, it becomes predictive. Everybody says, well, that's prophecy. No, prophecy is the speaking of who Jesus is. It's the testimony of Christ. And so, literally, the working of God in the gift of prophecy is not just predictive. Well, this man said he's a prophet. He said this is going to happen. It didn't happen. He's a false prophet. That's not the gift of prophecy. And son, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You're going to find out, and we're going to find out, that some people, they just speak out of their own flesh sure. or their own mind. Absolutely. God never told them a thing. But... If prophecy was governed by, as some say, you missed it, then why did God say, let the prophets that are nearby judge it? If you could just speak it and it was God's word, it wouldn't have to be judged. Right. It's going to happen. No, in this covenant, in this dispensation, when you prophesy... Because it's the testimony of Jesus. It has to line up with the word. Otherwise, how can someone else judge it? It has to be judged by the word. And so I have a friend. I like him. He's written books. He understands the tipping points of society. And he even said, he said, a lot of times when I say these things are going to happen, futuristic, I'm basing it upon these things. And then... The other day, someone corrected him. He missed it. He said, yeah, I missed it. But he said, I never said I was prophesying. I was just saying that this is what could happen if you follow along this course. Well, you see, that's natural mind using natural wisdom. We're right. not talking about that. And so some people that say they're prophesying, they're not. They're just using their natural mind based upon natural wisdom or education. But it's not even the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is just that. It's a word, a fragment in the mind and knowledge of God. You prophesy in part, you know in part. And so even in the best of circumstances and you're prophesying, you're only going to get a part of it. So what in the world is your problem for you that don't believe in prophesying? The Bible says despise not prophesying. One time I said to Brother Shambach, did you ever do anything 
based on a prophetic word someone gave you? And his answer was wonderful. He said, if I had confidence in the person giving me the prophecy, mm -hmm. if I had confidence in the person giving me the prophecy, that speaks to integrity. And so there's a lot of people that have said different things, especially in the last year or two. And people are saying they're false. No, 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 no. It can be judged. And if it was just by the speaking alone, and you say, well, that didn't happen, then you'd have to call Isaiah a false prophet. You'd have to say Isaiah missed it. And yet, notice God gave Hezekiah a word, set thine house in order, for you're going to die. Wow. Not live. What did he do, Ted, when Hezekiah prayed? What did he do when he stood on his past record of a heart for God? What did he do? He was setting his house in order. Mm -hmm. Know you not that your body is the temple or the house of the Spirit of God? And sometimes, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, people get sick, infirmed, die prematurely because they do not discern the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And the body, the temple, know you not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. There are some things that we need to get in order in the body of Christ that it'll keep us from sickness, disease, and dying prematurely. Oh, when I, every time I hear a minister of the gospel goes home to be with the Lord, I feel bad. That's one more voice that's gone. But I started changing my thinking, Ted. I said, Lord, can we look at his life or her life as a seed and believe the harvest is going to be greater than that one voice? Mm -hmm. Give us ten voices, a hundred voices, a thousand voices. Glory to God forevermore. Amen. Hallelujah. His truth, God's truth is marching on. So how do you reverse a prophecy? Well, God himself did it. He said, I'm going to do this. But now this is where people fail to understand. These gifts operate in a redemptive context. These gifts operate. In other words, God is not releasing a prophecy. You're going to die, kiss the world goodbye. No, there was something Hezekiah did that reversed the prophetic word. That reversed the prophetic word. Are you listening to me? Now, years ago, Pat Robertson, my father loves, loved him. My dad's in heaven. Pat's still with us. At least the last I checked. Amen. <laughs> Pat got a word from the Lord. He prophesied. They told us a hurricane's coming up the East Coast. Might land down by Sandbridge in Virginia. Or maybe even in the Outer Banks. Pat came on CBN 700 Club Live. I saw it. My dad was sitting there and he saw it. Pat said, the Lord says, we're to prophesy against this hurricane. We're to prophesy against the hurricane. So when he's done, dad said, 
I admire his faith. He said, look, I want you to go down to Ace Hardware, buy two sheets of plywood, 50-gallon garbage. I said, for what? We're going to board up the windows. I said, but he just said we're going to prophesy against the hurricane, Dad. Dad said, yeah. He said, I believe in Pat, great man of God. But he said, if it don't come to pass, I'm going to have my windows boarded in water in the house. <laughs> oh, see, the old timers, especially old Pentecostals, understood that we're not led by prophets. We're not led by prophecies. We're led by the Holy Spirit. We are led by the precious, wonderful, Holy Spirit. Glory to God. So I went to Ace Hardware. I bought the two sheets of plywood, the 50-gallon rubber-made garbage can. Came home, filled it with water, filled the tub with water. Dad zipped the plywood in two sections, boarded the windows on that side and the side that it was coming from. Well, uh, next thing I know, they come on Wavy TV 10 in Norfolk, Channel 10. Hurricane goes out to sea. Dad said, I admire Brother Robertson's faith. He said, prayed the thing out. Prayed the thing out. Now, in the New Testament, when the word of the Lord came as a prophecy by Agabus concerning the Darth that was in Jerusalem, the Bible still says, and they determined what they would do which proves we're not led by a prophetic word. God does not use any of the gifts to override the will of a man or woman. Why? Because God himself did not override the will of Hezekiah when he got into a place of prayer before him. And so for you that feel it's like a lid tight, bulletproofed, Word, and if it doesn't happen, whoever spoke it is false. You don't understand the gift of prophecy. Someone said, well, what about the last election? People prophesied that the former president would go back in. I have no question that that could have been the will of God. I have no question. But the thing is, even though that may have been revealed by God, did you pray it through? Well, looking the way things are going, son, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to say the church didn't pray those words through. And it's because I really believe people say, well, if someone said it, it's got to take place. Once it's spoken, you have received a fragment, a little part of the mind of God. But that does not alleviate or remove you from our responsibility of prayer. And Hezekiah went to prayer turned his face to the wall and prayed and reminded God and did some of these things. And so then God says to Isaiah, get right back in there. You go right back in there and tell him, I've heard his prayers. I have seen his tears. And I'm going to add, he added, Teddy, 15 years to his life. Mm -hmm. In our town, there was a man, a wonderful man, John Manchin. And I was going into Farmington, and I saw this man. I didn't know him at the time. He was sitting on a wooden bench there. And he came over, 
and I saw him sitting there. I said, hello, sir, you all right? He didn't look good. He said, I'm waiting for Mary. Well, there's a lot of Catholic folks where we live. I thought he was waiting for the Virgin Mary because it looked like he was praying. <laughs> he said, I'm waiting for Mary. His wife's name was Mary, but I didn't know that. Oh, I said, let me stop and talk with you. Hello, Sister McGinnis. And uh, <laughs> he said, I'm waiting for Mary. And I said, well, let me talk. And I got talking to him. And he said, oh, you're, you're, you're a Shuttlesworth. I said, yeah. He said, we're family. I said, we are? Well, yeah. He said, my son, Rock, married your cousin, Cindy. Oh, I said, that's your son. And I, I uh, got talking to him. Won't you come over to the house? Mary's coming. And I'm going to have her make you a sandwich, and you and I are going to talk together. I said, all right. So we go over. Now, I didn't know this. It's one of his sons, Doc John, told me later his dad was not given very long to live. And we get over there, and we're talking, eating a sandwich. It was a 12-grain bread with ham, lettuce, and mayonnaise and cheese. And it tastes so good, my tongue slapped my brain when I ate it. It was delicious. <laughs> I've never been able to duplicate the sandwich that I had that day. God bless Mary and John. But I'll never forget this. <laughs> he begins to share with tears in his eyes. He doesn't have long. Son, the word from this passage right here in 2 Kings 20, come up my spirit. I said, I'm going to pray. Now, see, I didn't prophesy. I said, I'm going to pray. John, that the Lord will give you 15 more years. 15 more years. And I prayed it. Well, in the process of time, I'd go over. He lived over on that street. I won't mention over the airwaves. He doesn't live there now. Mary and he are gone. But he and I started having Bible studies. And we began to pray together and have those good sandwiches. Sometimes he'd call do you mind driving me? I need to go get a haircut. I took him. Get, he got his haircut. Want to go see my buddy. Opened a restaurant over in Fairmont. Took him over. We became friends. Became friends. And I didn't realize how much God had moved upon John. One day I'm sitting there. A guy comes in from the state from Charleston. A, some official. Uh, an engineer. We're all sitting there. And he said, go ahead and say anything you want. He said, this is my pastor. I didn't know I was his pastor. He's Catholic. And then he had me pray. And then when they all left, he said, what did you think? And I, and I said, I, I'm not an engineer. I, he said, no, what did you think about the people? I said, well, I didn't trust this person. And he said, I don't either. He said, I feel the same way. <laughs> so we became friends. I got a call. From Paula, his daughter, he, he wasn't doing well. I went down to the house. Apparently he'd had a, a stroke. And his good grandsons were there, Manuel's son, Peter, big men, strong fellas. And I excused myself. There was a little back bedroom off his bedroom where he was sitting, staring a little bit. But when he saw me, he turned, and you could tell in his eyes, his eyes got brighter. I took him by the hand. And you know what I realized, Teddy? To that month, it was 15 years. Wow. So I knew 
in my spirit, he was probably going to go home to be with the Lord. I said, John, you and I have prayed. Jesus is going to receive you. See, he, he got faith in Christ. I started this out by saying, Christ has redeemed us. Not a church, not a denomination, not a preacher, not a priest, not a rabbi. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. I said, John, you remember we prayed the other day. I said, if you meant that, then you're ready to meet the Lord. Squeeze my hand twice. It was obviously an effort. And uh, he I could feel him squeeze my hand. And then after a moment, he squeezed it twice. I said, you're going to be all right. A priest came in to give him the last rites. I stepped back. I've always tried to be ethical, treat people right, the way I'd want to be treated. But I was so thrilled to know that where he'd been told he wouldn't live long, God gave him 15 more years. And in those 15 years, he and I had Bible studies. I got to teach him the word, got to pray with him, got to lead him to Christ. Hallelujah. Donnie said, yes, my uncle John, he's with Jesus. That's Donnie's uncle. So, and you know this is true, Donnie. They invited me to the Catholic Church to do the funeral. I don't know who the priest was or those dear nuns were, but they were not happy. But Joe and John and Rock, Paula and uh, they just, they wanted us to, to, to do the funeral. Janet, one of the sisters, put her arm around me. She said, preach like you're in a Pentecostal church. That's what she told me. <laughs> they wanted me to deliver the word. And I stood up and I preached a message. If you can show me the cross, I'll find my way home. And my friends, within that prophetic word, John, God's going to give you 15 more years. In that word, God also had a gospel message for Farmington. And the people in that Catholic church that day. You see, there's many things that are contained in prophetic words, which is why the Bible says, judge nothing before it's time. And for you that judge men and women that prophesy, I love Kent Christmas. I believe that he speaks the word of the Lord. I like it, Ted, when Kent goes, and the word of the Lord came unto me. I'm going to declare the word of the Lord. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. But remember, judge nothing before it's time because God is always working. God is always working. How do you reverse a prophecy? If it's a prophecy that is negative, you can pray against the thing. It wasn't God that was going to kill Hezekiah. It was disease. The Bible says he had a boil. And that pus and corruption was eating away his flesh. We know in the book of Job that came from Satan. Put them boils on Job. God's not the one trying to kill you. God's the one trying to heal you. God's not the one trying to rob you of your money. God's the one that's trying to bless you. 
God's not the one that brings sorrow and pain into your life. God's the one that gives you oil of joy in the time of mourning. He causes the weeping to stop and glory to God. Joy comes in the morning. God's on the good side. Hallelujah. Good things come from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get that in your spirit. And so when he, when he, Hezekiah got things in order. The prophecy got reversed. Which is why even in this dispensation, prophecy can be judged. And then again, we're to judge nothing before it's time. We don't know what the future holds. You know why so many people, Teddy, why do you think so many want a word for the future? Why do you think it is? Uh, because they feel they need help and hope. I believe that's part of it. What, what do you think about this thought? Maybe because they're not happy with the way things are right now. Yeah, for sure. So they want the hope. Ted hit it on the, the nail on the head. They want hope for tomorrow. Hey, what about faith for today? What about faith for today? There's nothing that can happen to you. And Sister Mickey said, and fear. And I believe that's true. Hallelujah. Amen. And this isn't about politics. This is about where are you spiritually saved? Right. Politics has never saved one soul. Never. But the gospel has saved multiplied millions. And really, I think what's happened in the last, I would say, at least going back to, in our country, Reagan, the church began to get too involved in politics when they should have been more involved in the work of the altar and preaching the gospel. I believe that. I knew of Jerry Falwell. I knew his bodyguard personally, Lynn Sandy. I knew all of those early people, Ralph Reed, those that would come to see me. I knew all of them. Love them all. God bless them. But I learned like Billy Graham, and that is this. If I preach the gospel... And stay in my lane. I'm going to win many to Christ. And as a minister of the gospel, I don't feel I can afford to make judgments in that realm because everything changes. You can see right now everything has changed in the last 52 days compared to how it was 52 days before. Just that quick, everything changes. And... God never changes anybody for the worse. God always changes us for the better. So what I would say, and I know we're going to take questions and answers. How do you reverse a prophecy? Understanding that prophecy is not just speaking to the future. In fact, the Bible says when you prophesy, you speak to men and you speak to edification. You're going to strengthen people, build them up, charge them up, Ted. You're going to speak to exhortation. You're preaching Christ. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and then comfort. So anybody says they got a word from God, in this time, after the cross, there has to be comfort in it. Has to be comfort in it. Has to be comfort in it. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Has to be comfort. And that's what this is really all about. These Facebooks my son does. I do them. Preach on television around the world. I'm preaching faith. Faith in God can move the mighty mountain. See, faith gives your voice to mountains. Faith in God can calm the troubled sea. Faith in God will make the desert like a fountain. Faith will bring the victory. I've had people prophesy to me, and I, I would still pray it through. But I have always understood I'm not led by prophecy. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. What does prophecy do, Ted? It is a confirmation to something God has already shown you. God's not going to give some a word that uh, a word that He didn't give you first. Right. God doesn't have an unlisted phone number. Call Him up for yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I want to thank God for my son. And let's let's take some questions. Yeah, for sure. We we told you yesterday we're going to be taking some questions at the end of the broadcast. I've seen there's uh, some people that have already had a couple of questions um, while the teaching's been going on. So. Uh, we're going to have you put some questions in. Uh, one of the first questions I saw in the broadcast was, uh, as God was dealing with Isaiah and Hezekiah, uh, Mackenzie asked, uh, in, those, in the timeline of that story, um, was God declaring how it was in that moment, and then the transition of prayer, and then again God was declaring how it was in the following moment? Well, God lives in eternity. He doesn't live in time. He is a God that's eternal. But man does live in time. Mm -hmm. We have a beginning. We have an end. Life is but a vapor, the Bible says. We're not here forever. <laughs> and what I would say to that, what was her name again? Mackenzie. Mackenzie, bless your heart. You've got a good mind. I see that. What I would say is this. If you read on, Hezekiah asked God for a sign. It had to do with the sundial. He said, yeah, it could go forward 10 degrees, but let's make it a little hard. Go back 10 degrees. A sign. Sometimes I think we have to separate past, present, and future out of our praying. Someone said, but I'm praying for my future. No, no, I'm talking about just praying the will of God. And when you do, it will affect things that happened to you in your past. It'll produce your faith for the present. And it'll also guarantee you a good conclusion to your future. So when you begin to pray and you put time limits on it, I think that's a mistake, Teddy, and I'll tell you why. One time I was in Philadelphia with Lindsey Robinson. We went to McDonald's, and uh, they had a, a, a special. If we don't serve you your food in 60 seconds, it's free. There was a lady in front of us. After she ordered, she pulled a time, a stopwatch out of her pocket and said, I'm going to get a free cheeseburger. I'm, I'm and the girl got her food back in about 45 seconds, and the lady cussed and stomped off, and I said to Brother Robinson, I said, only in America are people upset it took 45 seconds to get their food. 
And so, uh, time, see. It's like going through a drive-thru and you say, Lord, I'll have a Big Mac, a large fry, and a miracle to go. Hit it, Jesus. You got one minute, you know. Mm -hmm. You can't put God on a time clock. God lives in eternity. Right. And God sees the beginning. He sees the end, the best conclusion for you, for me. And... Um, What I would say in reading this story from Hezekiah's view, I'm laying there, the prophet stands over me, set your house in order, you're going to die. What was the first thing he did? Turned himself to the wall and prayed. began to pray. And then the word of the Lord comes. So what happened was some kind of a redemptive work was released for his body that brought healing. Something in that prophetic word that Isaiah gave Hezekiah, got him praying. I'm sorry. I hope you hear something in that word that um, Isaiah gave Hezekiah brought healing. And so there was a redemptive work. Right. So a prophecy does not mean that God has not also given the ability for us by that prophecy to get right and then to have change come. doesn't mean God changed his mind. It means you changed your mind when the word of the Lord came to you. And if that's not what preaching is all about, I don't know this Bible. Um, Evangelist Chibwe. Can God bring you into the healing ministry by allowing sickness on you? I have no idea what you're talking about, sir. I, I don't either. Can God bring you into the healing ministry? What in the world does sickness on you? Are, here's, if I'm wrong, correct me, brother. Are you saying that you have a battle in sickness or disease come on you, and out of that, God brought you into a healing ministry? Meaning, maybe and if meaning. that's the way he's saying it, yes. In the midst of problem, God can give great ministry and help. But if you're saying, do you have to be sick to have a healing ministry? No. The answer is N-O, no. Here's a good question, Corey Childs. I was prophesied to be a great preacher in the fullness of time by Jonathan Shuttlesworth within the last month. It is for sure confirmation. Do you have advice on preparing for this? I never want to miss it. Might be too broad a question. Doesn't want to miss Preparation it time is never lost time. Get your Bible out. Read it from cover to cover. Get your notepad. Write down everything God shows you. Read your Bible on your knees. Oral Roberts told me, he said, when God called me into the healing ministry, it was during a 40-day fast, and I read the New Testament on my knees at Phillips University in Enid. Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. That's true, Rose, and that's what he was teaching today is many times we have or, or may know something negative or see something in a vision or a dream negative to pray against it from happening. I don't believe it's a prophetic dream. I believe it could be the word of wisdom because it's speaking to the future. Again, prophecy, the gift of prophecy is an utterance given at that moment. And what's happened is, 
We've gotten away from this where people are writing down. I got a prophetic word. Can I read it to the church? Uh, I have, a, a, I have a, a, a little bit of a poem that God told me had a prophetic touch. That's not the gift of prophecy. That's not the gift of prophecy. But let's say you're dreaming. I, you know, your old men shall dream dreams. To go along with that, sister, I've dreamed things and then they've happened. Yeah, yeah. But I believe it can be, Ted, sometimes a couple of gifts working together. Gift of prophecy, perhaps, but word of wisdom for sure. Jamie's asking, is a prophecy a promise or an, an if or a maybe? Because I've heard some say God changed his mind due to God not destroying Nineveh after he after they repented. So that's the same train of thought is that when a it's prophetic Hezekiah. word goes forth, it's not a decree from God necessarily, you're saying. What if Jonah had not gone to Nineveh? Which he tried not to. What would have happened to Nineveh? Yeah, they had been destroyed. They would have been destroyed. So the prophetic word hinged upon a man and not God. Again, take God out of the equation. He lives in eternity. It was Jonah. It was Jonah who had... See, with the instruction God gave Jonah, contained within it was the salvation of an entire city. They think about 50,000 people lived in Nineveh in Jonah's day. If the whole city got saved, that's 50,000. I've never had 50,000 get saved in a meeting. I'm believing, but not yet. Uh, go back up one. one um, after getting a prophecy, how long or how should one bring this prophecy to come to pass? Till it comes to pass. Just stay on your word till you get it. Stick to the word. That's where faith comes in. Amen. What about contradictory circumstances and delays to manifestation of God's promised provisions? I call that the season of faith. And there are certain things you have to do once you have confessed or received a word. And one of the things you have to do is praise God in advance. Thank him that it's going to come to pass. Amen. Evangelist said, what is this paradox? The preacher is sick and praying for the sick who get healed. I don't know if it is a paradox. What I would say is the preacher needs to get in his own prayer line and get healed. Uh, you see, you're basing this on the condition of the preacher. I'm going to take a wild guess evangelist and say, you're not doing well physically and the sick are getting healed. Are we talking about you, brother evangelist or sister? If so, I pray healing into your body. Yes. Amen. You're paralyzed right now in analysis. When you start talking about a pair of ducks, then you're in trouble. Amen. My nephew Alex said, what do you do when you're preaching and when you get the mic and the service seems dry and there's no anointing? Well... <laughs> I always start praying in tongues mm -hmm. or I'll say, come up here and pray in tongues or I'll have your mom pray in tongues or Ted's with me. Ted, pray in tongues for a little bit. I get everybody praying in the spirit till it releases. Amen. Tracy said, how long do you recommend we pray in the spirit daily? Till you're done. 
have to be led by the Spirit, Tracy, even in your praying. Man, Morgan, question there. Man is like mankind, not a man. God created man in his own image, like mankind in his own image. Actually, he first him. created Adam, who was a man. Mm -hmm. So when it, you, that verse you're using, even not yet been created, if I understand it right. That's verse 27. Well, it's saying. But he's saying the Hebrew word speaks of all mankind. Right, because in the, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Yeah. It's talking about his creation of the world. Uh-huh. Even, uh, even, for example, even when somebody is born through reproduction, the Bible still looks that, at that as God's creation. Correct. I formed you in your mother's womb. I formed you. Yeah. So, Morgan, it's important to understand that even when babies are being born, that, that's not just put on the human. God said, I formed you. So God is the author of life. He's the creator, see, yeah. Do you have any books you wrote on prophecy? There's coming a, a book getting ready to be released on the gifts of the Spirit. And then three more. So four total, Mariah. Yeah, what I'm doing, Mariah, I, I uh, took about 45 years of my notes and messages that I preached along these lines. I had to sort through them. It was too much material for one book. It would be an omnibus. So the Lord, you know, Till Osborne told me when he first wrote Healing the Sick, he said, Brother Ted, I wrote it in six small booklets. Then later it became Healing the Sick book. I thought that was a good idea. And so I uh, am finishing actually today uh, volume one studies in the gifts of the spirit. And then, um, I've already started, I've typed out two chapters of the second volume, which is called seen as God sees on the gifts of revelation. <clears throat> as soon as it's ready, you can go to my website or my son's and we'll offer that book to you and you can get it. Absolutely. Keep, keep scrolling. Um, the Bible says, Nathan, that um, if you read the book of Jude, the Bible says that God actually chained those spirits in Tartarus for their indiscretions. So they were, God viewed that sin as so devious that he immediately punished it. Yeah, uh, they're chained unto judgment. Yeah, so God, God immediately chained those spirits. I like to say it this way, Rose. It's a word of wisdom. It's just a, a fragment. It's not all of, you know, it's like you don't get all of God's wisdom at one moment. He just gives you a word, a fragment of his all-knowing. Ed says, does the gift of prophecy or words of knowledge ever function in the conjunction with deliverance? If so, how does that work? Well, when you say come out, you're letting the devil know he's coming out. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I understand what you're saying, Brother Ed. Uh, in the Bible, in the Bible, Paul goes about and there's a uh, fortune teller follows him and his buddy. But it was several days before he received a word of knowledge as to what he was dealing with. 
then cast the spirit out. So yes, the gifts can operate in deliverance. I believe when you cast devils out, it's the gift of faith and the working of miracles, personally. Those two. Crystal said, I have a lot of dreams, visions, but I also get attacked in the same way sometimes. What do you recommend I do to strengthen myself from these attacks? Well, always pray in the spirit. Always use the blood of Jesus for your protection. Amen. Is calling a prophecy. There's a difference between the ministry gifts and the gift of prophecy. The ministry of a prophet found in Ephesians 4 and verse 11 is an actual office. Howard Carter, Lester Sumrall, Brother Hagin, they all believe that to stand in the office of a prophet, you had to have the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and uh, discerning of spirits, the gift of prophecy, and working of miracles. They all felt biblically those five gifts of the spirit operated in the ministry and in the office of a prophet. Can you pray Hezekiah's prayer? You, can't, you know what? You, you can't get saved for him, but you can stand in the gap for him. Salvation is a choice. And you can't, yeah, you can't repent for somebody else. No, they have to repent of their own sin. How do you respond to prophets who ask for seeds after they claim to have prophesied? Well, however the Lord leads you. Maybe, Marie, you're speaking of those that are wanting money for prophecy. Um, That's like not some right. do, yeah. which is obviously not right. Uh, Mackenzie asked, the Bible says every believer should desire to prophesy. Is that because prophecy is the testimony of Jesus and we should all be sharing the testimony? Why not? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Yeah, Morgan, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, Does it make scroll, sense? Yeah. yeah. So, Morgan, that takes some that takes some understanding to to, to understand the breaking up of uh, the book of Genesis. There, there's something, and you can Google this if you'd like. There's something called the priestly account versus the historical account. So we we look at chapter one, and you have like a priestly account, what's known as the priestly account of the book of Genesis. Right. And then if you go into later, when you go into the actual chapter two, it's not that he's not, uh, it's not that he's not, uh, cr or creating people before Adam and Eve. It's just that chapter two begins the breakdowns of what's happening in creation. It's almost as though if you would look at chapter one as like an overview. And then it goes into the breakdowns of what takes of place. Of what he did during in, that time. Yeah. During chapter two and beyond. So it's not like you're reading that God created all these people. Then he created Adam and Eve. It's kind of like an overview or what they know as a priestly account. And then it goes into the historical account of the breakdown. Well, he's also dealing with the pre-Adamic race, I think, a little bit. I've heard people do that. But basically, I, I don't really care about the pre-Adamic race. I came from Adam's race. Now I'm from Christ's race. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you are believing, God, for a healing. Keep thanking God. Yeah, praise him. 
praise and thank him. Healing. Sister Yeoman was sick. God gave her a vision of a balance scale. One side was lower than the other. He said, you're overweighted with prayer. He said, the other side, you're a little bit low on your praise. But when your praise equals your prayer, you'll be healed. And the Lord healed. I am learning here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Hey, Beverly in the UK. I like England. I love to preach in London. I've done it many times. Held revivals here. Yeah, again, Nathan, um, it's not that he waited until after the six days of creation to create Adam and Eve. It's just, as I said, it's an overview versus a breakdown. Right. Yeah, I already did, Sean, and uh, that was in the earlier part of this, uh, which proves my point that you can receive a prophetic word, but you're not led by a prophet. Paul went ahead anyhow. And, and the prophecy came to pass. And it came to pass, exactly. Yeah. But he, he, uh, he just decided to go. He felt like he was done. And we see that in 2 Timothy, his very last letter he ever wrote. He told Timothy, yeah. I've run my race already. I've finished my course. I'm done. Fought a good fight. Kept the faith. You see, uh, we're not led by prophets or prophecy. That, I use that verse, son, many times to, to bring that out. Does your calling change over time, pastor, teacher, etc.? Well, it did for Paul. Uh, there was in the church of Antioch uh, uh, certain prophets and teachers. One was Paul. Later, in all of his writings, he wrote, Paul, an apostle called by the will of God. Mm -hmm. So obviously you can change. Christian Robert, Raybert. Oh, I know him. How do you practice gifts of the Spirit? What's the best way? Oh, I had to make it flow. The Holy Spirit. When God gives you something, move on it, and then he'll give you more. Mm -hmm. Kyle is looking forward to the books. Janine was asking about, and he had saved me. It was like layer after layer coming off, then I felt lifted up. Is this next level a transformation or both? I don't know. You, you know, know. The, the Bible says we go from grace unto grace. Right. From faith unto faith. Mm -hmm. One of the things, Janine, we understand is that uh, God's plan for all of his children is never-ending increase. So the longer that you're with the Lord, the better it should get. Yes. Every day better than the last. And it'll keep getting better. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Can you please explain this to me? When I prophesy to family and friends, I've noticed it comes to pass quicker than when I prophesy to myself. Why is that? Prophecy, the Bible says, you speak unto men, not unto yourself. Tongues is when you pray and build up your spirit. It's because it's not operating for you, but for men. So tongues is also a sign to the unbeliever. Yes, your dad to be healed in his lungs. In Jesus' name. Erica. All right, Jessica. Go about sharing the gospel with someone else. I don't need Jesus because they are healthy and they have a great life. 
I've been praying with them, inviting them to the Holy Spirit. But is there any other advice you have? Just the word. <clears throat> Salvation is not predicated upon your health or lack of health. It's right. not predicated upon your money or your lack of money. It's based upon all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Tighten up, get a little tougher on them, tell and, them they're going to hell. And here's the other thing too. Don't let that one case hinder your whole soul winning life. Meaning, don't bang your head against a brick wall for five to ten years. It hurts. Because look what Jesus told the disciples. He said, if they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet, go somewhere else. There's plenty of people that need to be saved. So don't let, the way that I, the way that I explain it to people, dad used to have me cut the grass and we had a stump in the middle of the yard. Yeah. And I used to cut the grass in a square and, and, and in the middle. But can you imagine how ridiculous it would be if I just got to that stump and kept trying to push through it with the lawnmower and then just got discouraged and turned the lawnmower off and left the grass uncut. Right. You just go around the stump and keep cutting. And that's exactly what, sometimes you've got a hard-headed person that just will not receive and you don't let it stop your whole soul winning life. You sometimes, sadly, because see, we're not the ones who save. Right. Jesus is. And sadly, sometimes you have to shake the dust off your feet and go somewhere else. I'll tell you one thing. After you left, we got some dynamite and blew it out. <laughs> Waited till I left. Yeah. And then we got a chain and a tractor, hauled it out. Johnny Castellana, who's going to take care of my cat after the rapture? My ex-wife. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Oh, man. That's beautiful, John. Love Preston. you, Preston. <laughs> I agree. Find another church. Find another church that believes in the supernatural. Touch Andrew, Lord, in Jesus' name. I yeah. curse that growth that's on his... Dissolve and go from his eye. Eye, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Move, Bev. I believe that strongly. Yeah, just get a moving van. Go somewhere where there is a church. Base all your life around the church you go to. Jamie, we believe that speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. And the Bible teaches that. I don't believe it's the only way to but know you are. But it's not the are. only evidence. It's the initial it's the over initial evidence. evidence. Alex Iaquinta, please send me money. No, what Paul says. That's your nephew, isn't it? It is. You know, I was just reading that this morning, Alex. It's a very good thought. Um, I have a book right here by Lester Sumrall. It's an old one. He gave it to me personally. Let me read his answer to that. Uh, read his question for you yeah. that may not have heard. What Those that aren't on YouTube, he said, when Paul says to desire earnestly the best gifts, but makes it seem like prophecy was the most desirable gift, does this mean that we should desire prophecy more or before we desire the other gifts? So, Brother Summerall wrote this, and I like this. He said the, that the gift of prophecy, as he said, I've pointed out, speaking unto men, is to be desired by the church. And then he goes on to say, I'm doing a quick edit because I don't have time to read the whole thing. He says, this gift is given or bestowed for the purpose of edification. 
gives the references for, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 4, uh, 14, 5, 12, and 15. So when it says to desire it, your understanding, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, is unfruitful without this gift in operation. So because God wants us to bear fruit and wants us to have understanding, the gift of prophecy is like the doorway into that. And so it would make sense to me, Alex, that God would put a priority upon that gift to help us to receive understanding according to 1 Corinthians 14. And remember, the context of 14 is in, in a church service, right. in an assembly. Uh, and so what he, the point that Paul was trying to make was they were having all kinds of people jump up and give words in tongues, tongues with no yeah. interpretation. There were people that were multiple people trying to give prophetic words at one time. That's why Paul limited the number and said, if there is no interpretation, keep silent. Not because he was trying to quench the spirit or forbid speaking in tongues or right. despise prophecy, but because of the fact God wants orderly services. And the whole point was that the entire assembly be built up during those gatherings. Because tongues was uh, not really... F when you speak with tongues, you speak unto God. And Paul said, I speak in tongues more than y'all. He didn't say he interpreted more. He just said he spoke more. Mm -hmm. But if there's no interpretation, then the understanding is unfruitful, which is what I was talking about. And so prophecy brings that understanding in, like uh, Ted just said, in a corporate setting. God, the Bible says the gifts and calling of God without, without repentance. repentance, Peggy. So no, he doesn't take gifting away nor calling away. Nathan, the, bo the book of Enoch is not canon. Uh, in fact, it's not even considered an apocryphal book. One Enoch is what's known as a pseudepigraphal book. The only people that accept that book is the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. That's the only one. Only one. And it has false doctrine in it. It teaches that Jesus delegated the ministry of, uh, of forgiveness of sin to angels. Right. And that's not, that's, that's, not that's heretical. And the book is heretical. And there's, there's, there's like 300 reasons why it's not accepted by anybody. There's, and it also makes me laugh that there's people that want to go in all these extra biblical books, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Mary. They haven't even read the Bible yet. Read the Bible. The Bible says your old men dream dreams, your young men see visions, and your young men and women prophesy. So I can't honestly say, uh, to, to answer your question, how do you know if a dream is prophetic? I can't honestly say, but if you go by the biblical interpretation, if that dream causes you to feel edified, built up, or charged up, or exhortation, you feel closer to Christ, or you wake up and you feel comfort, it's probably a prophetic dream. But if it troubles you, it's like a nightmare, I'm going to say it's not a prophetic dream. It could be uh, anchovies on your pizza, but it's not the gift of prophecy. This is a random question. What do you think of cavemen? Were they from Adam too or before Adam? 
Well, how do you say it? Neanderthals? Neanderthals. Neanderthals. Yeah. I saw them in the Geico commercial, (laughs) and that's all I can tell you about it. You know, it's interesting because obviously, Mackenzie, there are, as my dad mentioned a moment ago, there are people that believe in a pre-Adamic race. There's others that don't. There's um, many that believe that when the Bible says the first man, Adam, they believe that's literal. Adam was the first man. There were no men before Adam. And also some of the carbon dating, the recreation from bones that we developed what was called the Neanderthal man proved to be false. And the Piltdown man actually turned out to be pig's bones. So you you can't go by that. Carbon dating is a horrible way to to judge. I mean, they've proven it wrong so many times. There's no way to test it. There's no way to even observe it. And it's it's been wrong many, many times. Um, Can healing come from God giving us wisdom of changing things in our diet? That's natural wisdom. And certainly, you are what you eat. But however, God can give you a word of instruction. I do believe that. He told me. I'll give you an example. Mac Hammond. Yep. got cancer and prayed that the Lord would heal him. And the Lord said, I will heal you. I was there when he gave this uh, testimony. Lord said, I will heal you. But after I heal you, cut all sugar out of your diet. That's what the Lord told Mac Hammond. He didn't even know sugar was something that stimulates cancer cells. No, there's a doctor named Hannon. He has a book called Sugar Cancer Seeds. Mm-hmm. He calls them cancer seeds. And Mac had never heard that, but he heard the Holy Ghost say it to him. And I'm free from sugar Amen. for years. I don't use sugar. And so it, it, it was a word from the Lord because he had no natural knowledge of it. No, he didn't. But God healed him supernaturally, then gave him wisdom to continue to walk in his healing. Brother Hagin used to get severe migraine headaches. He prayed and the Lord told him, cut out coffee. When he did, he never had headaches again. Peggy, I wouldn't, oh. wor- I wouldn't mess with that at all because it's not in the Bible. I was prophesied to that I would even know demons by their name. It's not come to pass yet. There's nowhere in the Bible other than that one instance in Mark 5 where any apostle or Jesus needed to know the name of a demon spirit to cast it out. In fact, I even believe Mark 5 wasn't even really an imp- It's not that he asked him because it was important. I personally believe it was a rhetorical question, making the point, who are you? Compared to me. Yeah, I'm the name that's above every name. Yeah. Because Jesus never did that. I've heard it said, start with, start with where your faith is at. How do you determine where your faith is at? <clears throat> they said, Lord, increase our faith. And what did Jesus say to them? I haven't finished that part of the Bible yet. I'm still about halfway through. When they wanted to know where their faith was and how to have it increased, he told them, it's in Luke, read it for yourself. He told them an illustration. Hello, Brother Pinder. And the illustration basically is learn to speak to the mountains, deal with the waves of the sea. In other words, before I ever believed God for a truck Mm -hmm. or a tent or chairs, I had to believe him for toothpaste when I was in Bible school. Right. Start where you're at. And when you find you run into a snag, that's as far as your faith could take you. You need him then to increase your faith. Yeah. I was in Bible school. Dad, when my dad wrote me a letter and said, trust God, I didn't know it meant he'd never send me money again. And he never did. 
And finally, I needed money to do my laundry. I needed toothpaste, shaving stuff. I needed $5, I figured. So I went over to pray. The Lord said, get up. I left the prayer room. I said, Lord, I just got here. I haven't even read my scriptures. Well, I come out and a lady comes up. Her name was a dear lady. She says, um, do you know anybody on this campus that can wash cars? I said, I'm the best car washer on the campus, I told her. <laughs> her name was Lorna. <laughs> she said, I'll give you $5, which is what I was believing for. If you wash my car Saturday, I'm going to be in the wedding here. So I started to walk away. She said, come here, I want to give the five to you now to make sure you do it. She gave me the five. And if I'd have stayed there and prayed all my scriptures, I'd have missed the blessing. Sometimes faith just starts moving. Right, yeah. God will give you a word, and I got the $5. And then after I bought all that stuff, I had uh, a dollar left, four quarters. And I went over to the temple. They used to have that golden bowl where you put your tithe in. I put the two quarters in. I said, Lord, there's the tithe. I'm walking back up the aisle, and I heard the Lord say, if you give me the rest of your money, you'll never lack for money the rest of your life. Mm. I was only 18. I turned around, went back down, put the other two quarters in, and here I am. Amen. Can you loan me five bucks? <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Edward, yeah, this, the studio we're sitting in came via a prophetic word. Dad got it in a revival, saw it in the spirit, drew it on paper. We found it by the leading of the Lord, and God blessed us with it. We're sitting in an answer to prophetic word. Well, glory. How many are still with us? Yeah, we got about 185, 183. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> Every one of you that are watching, someone asked the question a minute ago about giving to a prophetic word. I think what you were saying, this come up my spirit, there are people that charge for prophecies. Is that what you're thinking about? Yeah, I think that's And that's for sure. wrong. That's yep. not God. But the Bible does teach, Paul taught us, that if we communicate or teach you the word, you are responsible to support it with your finances. That's a whole different thing. Right. And I meant to answer that back then and it just came back up in my mind. In fact, you know what? I, I would like to say this. A lot of people are speaking about this great reset, even Burger King's using it now in their advertising. What it is, this guy's name's Klaus Schwab. He came up with a plan to reset all the economies of the world, headed towards what the Bible calls the one world economy and system. The Lord spoke to me, here's a prophetic word. He said, I'm gonna undo the great reset. And I was praying, I said, Lord, how are you gonna pull that off? And I heard the Lord say, just as clear, tell the people to begin to give offerings of faith. What's an offering of faith? When you give something you don't feel you can afford to give, then that takes faith. If you give what you think you can give, there's no faith in it. He said, tell the people to give offerings of faith. Sow it, and I'll use their giving to undo the great reset that the devil's trying to bring upon the world. In other words, it will insulate us and it moves us out of the world's economy into God's economy. Very important, very important that you understand, I understand the law of sowing and reaping, Genesis 8, 22, and that when you receive a word contained within that word, 
Why did Paul say it, Ted? Unless, uh, unless he expected us to give to those that teach us. Right? That's right. So it's, it's scriptural. Yeah. And I want to challenge every one of you right now to sow a seed. I always do this. Sometimes people say, I don't know why, Brother Shuttlesworth, you always take up offerings. Because I'm always spending money to preach the gospel. <laughs> I don't have a huge, uh, uh, what do you call it, foundation or bank account or whatever. Nah, when we get it, we spend it. We preach the gospel. I just came up and against... Uh, a couple of issues, but it doesn't mean you stop giving. If anything, you increase your giving. So on this Friday, as we're moving towards this week of passion, resurrection, Good Friday, Palm Sunday, I believe it would be very proper for every one of you that are watching to say, I believe this word that Brother Teddy and his dad have been teaching and then look up to God and say, God, I'm going to wrap my faith around a special gift to help these men of God keep teaching these much needed things like Tracy. God bless you, Tracy. Amen. And no matter what it is, you know, it amazes me, Ted, a lot of these people, we never get to meet them. But they stand with us. They say, I'm like Brother Teddy. I'm like his dad. I'm a man. I'm a woman for God. I believe in integrity. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus is alive. I believe, I believe, I believe. And so Tracy, she started us off and thank you, Sister Tracy. But I want to challenge every one of you right now. In fact, I'm going to pray for you. Father, everybody's concerned. What about the future? Like Sister Mickey said, some are fearing what's about to come insulate us like Peggy's gift and like Tracy and these that are giving right now. Insulate us in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for Michael's gift. I thank you, Lord, for these people. What I say now, ladies and gentlemen, you'll have no worry about your future because your life is hid with Christ in God. And so we receive these offerings of faith that you're giving. It speaks of your life, your time, your effort, who you are. And you're saying, Lord, I'm going to give this gift today. And the great reset's not going to destroy my finances, job, family. I sow by the spirit of faith. Yes. I sow an offering of faith. And so we could not do what we're doing without you. Amen. You are a partner with us. Yes. When David was needing help, he prayed like I'm praying. Lord, send now prosperity. It's not wrong to ask God to help you. It's not wrong to ask God to help you. Well, within 72 hours, David was sitting on the throne of the nation mm -hmm. with all of the wealth of the nation in his hands. The collective offering that he put together to build a house for God. No one has ever given an offering that large since that I know of in history. In modern day money, it would be over $3 billion that David put money together after he prayed a prayer. You can't give that kind of money unless God sent prosperity. Right. 
I pray over you right now, every one of you that are giving, I pray God will send now prosperity. I pray now God will send you prosperity. Amen. But again, the instruction that I feel is scriptural, biblical. You got to give God something to multiply. Paul taught that in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And when they did what Paul taught them, the Macedonians, out of their deep poverty, it abounded under their liberality, the Bible says. They didn't have much, but they gave it to God. And the Bible says God brought them out of debt. Amen. Like he's going to do for, uh, who's that, Jody Dykes and every one of you that are giving. So listen to what I'm telling you. I'm giving you some good Bible advice. I've been preaching now since I was 14. I've been doing this work for 45 years full time. I've never seen God to fail when the people say, Lord, become my partner. I've never seen God not, but I've always seen God become a partner. God's my partner. God wants to be your partner. Amen. God wants you to be blessed. So right now, you that are on Facebook, YouTube, you can use Cash App. You see all the ways to give. Mm -hmm. I want to challenge you on this Friday as we head towards Easter. This weekend, son, we turn the clocks back or ahead, which is ahead. It? <laughs> ahead. Oh, I wish I could turn it back. Then I'd be two hours late. Spring and forward. Spring, go forward, fall, fall back. I should know that. But I'm telling you, as we go into this new season, may the Lord give you the understanding that governments, world leaders, economic problems are not going to determine your financial blessing. Yes. But you're going to determine it right now by an offering of faith. Jesus. I believe the anointing is on this for you, for you, for your family. You got to learn to do this. The first time God put his finger and told me to give an offering, I gave, he asked me for everything. I'm not saying that, but for me, that was an offering of faith. Ladies and gentlemen, I've never, never regretted the day when I turned around, went back to the golden bowl and put all my money in. Because you know what he said to me? If you'll do it, you'll never lack another day of your life. Amen. If he said that to me and he's no respecter of persons, then God says that to you. This could be that moment, ladies and gentlemen, when God is saying to you, if you'll give this offering of faith to reset, to reset what the devil has designed against you in the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, then I am saying by this word, you will never lack Amen. another day of your life. Now, son, it takes faith to give to God. Yes. It really does. You think about it. People work hard. When I work construction, get up at four in the morning, get to the work site, get the mortar mix, bricks laid out, all that I used to do. So that by six o'clock, when those brick masons came on the job, I was already there, everything prepared, worked hard. Hot Virginia sun, 100 degrees it would get up to. I'd, I'd be so warm and hot. 
I'd take a jug filled with ice cubes. By the afternoon, it was cold water. And I'd drink that whole gallon of water. And I wasn't that hungry, but I'd eat for strength. And then I'd go home. And at the end of the week, Jim Newman, they put a check in my hand. That check represented hot Virginia sunshine, burning my back brown, muscles I didn't have from lifting bricks and mixing mortar and helping to build homes for people to live in. Your money is more than just dollars and cents. Your money is future, it's families, it's homes. There's so much entailed when you give God an offering. When David said, Lord, send now prosperity. At that moment, a nation, a nation, Jacqueline, God bless you. See, people are getting this. I, I, I'm going a little extra for you. You need to understand this. You don't have to fear the future. Your faith, your giving is putting a wall of protection around you and around your family, around your money, Amen. around your job. And yes, Peggy, I, I can speak for my son and myself. I can't speak for all preachers, but we're constantly getting on airplanes, cars, our trucks, our equipment, going into places, and preaching Christ and getting people saved. And we get the follow-up. We send them free literature and so much that we're doing on television, around the world. Yes. So when we ask people to partner like Roxy just did, thank you, Roxy. When we ask people to do that, we're saying it's not just about dollars and cents. It's about a guarantee. You know what the guarantee is, Ted? What you sow right now, guaranteed, you'll have a financial harvest coming in your future. Amen. Your mother and I, you know this, we try to give every day. She puts a check together, puts it in the mail every day, except Sunday. We have no mail service on Sunday. And every day, Bonnie and I, we try to help people. We don't tell people we're helping this one, that one, and this one. We just do it. When you give today, ladies and gentlemen, oh, hallelujah. I just feel this. When you give God something to work with, it not only is going to undo the Great Reset, but it is going... What in the world? <laughs> well, someone just gave you a, a one hundred thousandth of a cent. Amen. That's Maddie. <laughs> Maddie, straighten up. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless you, Leslie. Leslie Joy. I've seen her name before. So, folks, I pray this over you right now that yes. are giving. Now, you see, you activate favor with God by a gift. What did Hezekiah do? He reminded the Lord of his heart and his walk. Hallelujah. He reminded God. When you give, you got something to say, Lord, remember when I helped Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. in the ministry to win souls? It's all right. God will let you say that. It's a part of the process of growing in faith. You know, son, earlier someone said, how do I know where my faith is at? 
I believe one of the greatest manifestations of faith is giving. It takes faith to give to God. I've Absolutely. said it, I've said it, I've said it over and over. When I first gave, I wanted to give God, I wanted to give God $5. And for about a year, thank you, Billy. Look, Brother Smith. Thanks, buddy. For about one year. Now, if you're giving on Facebook, don't you have to put hashtag donate in the amount? Yeah. So if you want to sew on, on the comment sections, Brother Smith, hashtag yeah. donate 500. Thank you. Yeah, the symbol hashtag, the word donate, no space, and then the amount, 500. God bless Billy. I've seen him before on these times that we come together. But ladies and gentlemen, I think this is very important. And I, I want you to understand this, that your life, my life, is really a part. You're welcome, Billy. You, your life, my life, it's a part of God's great process. Amen. Money, somebody, who was it? Uh, Lee, I, he was in charge of... Uh, Iacocca. Chrysler, yeah. He said, money's a way of keeping score. No, 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 I disagree, mister. Money's not a way of keeping score in the sense that you meant it. And of course, he's, he's gone now. But what our money is, is representative of our life. It's not keeping score. That way, you're saying people that have more money are winners and those that don't have enough are losers. That's not true. Stewardship has to do with what you have, no matter how much you have, and how much of that you entrust to God. A little bit different slant on this, because I started giving $5, Ted, and then I got my faith up. I said, I'm going to start giving God $20. Every time I was in church, I had a $20 bill to give. Then the day came, God told me to give 100 I said, well, I can do it this Sunday, but not it. God said, every time you come. And so I found out my faith was at five, but I grew my faith to 100 Then the day came. I, I remember exactly where I was. The Lord said, I want you to give me all your money again, like I did that day. I think it was a test. He told me, he said, if you give everything the first time, you'll never lack. Now I'm starting to get ahead. For the first time, I have four $100 and diapers for you. <laughs> everything was good. Thank you, Billy. And what happened was this. I gave that $400. I, I don't mind telling you, I gave it to Lester Sumrall. And God opened the door. Then the day came, God asked me again. He may never ask you this. He asked me. He said, I want you to give, go down there, tell that evangelist you'll give 10000 to help him win souls in Africa. I looked over at your mom. I said, how much do we have personally? Do we have 10000 She said, are you kidding? We've got about 70 bucks." I said, what about the ministry account? She said, somehow she checked. Thank you, Billy. Somehow she checked. And when she checked, we had 10000 30 some dollars. I said, give me the ministry credit card. I went down and I said to the preacher, here, right now, in Jesus' name, take this 10000 I was, I was fighting it, see. But God put his finger on that. For me, that was everything the ministry had. The preacher stopped and he said these words to me. 
said, from this day on, you're going to have meetings where people will bring you, and there will be $100,000 in that meeting. Hmm. And Teddy, when I left there, the next four weeks where I went, the pastors would shake their heads and say, we don't understand it, Brother Ted. We've never seen this before. And someone said, they're in big trouble. I don't know what that trouble is. Can't help you unless you make your prayers petitions known. If you feel it's something you don't want to say over, we understand. Hi from Vermont. Then get a hold of us. Get a hold of us through uh, Ted's website. But hear me, I don't want to lose this thought. I don't want you to lose this thought. The next four weeks, over 100,000 started coming in. And it's happened many times since. Mm. I never broke through to that level. Someone said, what would you do with it? I bought time on television to preach the gospel around the world. As soon as I get it, I'd spend it. Never forgot it. I went on Inspirational Network. I went on Church Channel. I went on all over the world. Because God was blessing. God was blessing. Do you want God to bless you? Then I'm, I'm just telling you. You've got to give him something to bless. And so may the Lord bless you today and give yes. you faith to give him an offering. And Teddy, you're going on television. Tell the folks a little bit because he's really, you know, we're kind of exchanging the baton in life. He's starting to do a lot of wonderful things. But you're going on television, what, even uh, next month or is it this month? Yeah, we've been on for almost two months now. And so we're uh, not only on here in the States, uh, all of Africa, all of the U.K., uh, Philippines, Pakistan, the, every island in the Caribbean, um, and just now reaching potential over 150 million homes every single week Exciting. Uh, with the gospel. So it is. It's wonderful. God didn't give you this beautiful studio, these lights, these cameras, all that we see just to sit here. Yep. He gave this as tools to bring in the end time harvest of lost souls. Amen. No question. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And those of you that are sowing, we say thank you. And of course, this month in March, we're sending you this book by Brother Hagin, uh, The Will of God in Prayer. Powerful book, a man of prayer who's now with Jesus. And uh, this will open your eyes and it'll build your faith uh, as you're spending time in prayer and what to do as you pray. Many people don't understand God has system in prayer, a way in prayer. And this book will help you. All you need to do is go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, miracleword.com forward slash offer. Fill out the form. We'll get it to you ASAP. We love you guys very much and appreciate you being with us, spending time with us. If you didn't get a chance as you logged on, share the broadcast. People need this message. People need to be built up in their faith and encouraged. And uh, thank you to my dad for being on. Love you, dad. I love you too, but don't be hugging me. <laughs> no kissing. <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for spending time with us today. We'll see you again on Monday. Don't forget, this Sunday starts Revival in Crawfordsville, Indiana. And then uh, Our the camp week, meeting in April. Camp meeting's coming up in April. Uh, and then, of course, the week after this coming, we'll be in Detroit, Michigan area for a week in Shelby Township at Lakeside Assembly of God. And then in Livonia, Michigan for Sunday the 28th, 12 noon oh, you're gonna be at Brother service Reeds? time. Uh, Archbishop, Deacon, Prelate, 
Marlon Reed. Brother Marlon. And uh, we'll be with him for Sunday, the 28th. Come and join it. Be a part. We want to see you guys live in Revival. Don't forget, check the website for all the details. Uh, West Virginia Camp Meeting. Strengthened is the theme coming up in April, the very last uh, Tuesday through Friday of April. All and the it's also my birthday. Dad's birthday. I'll be 102. It's going to be great. <laughs> Join us. Make plans to come and be a part of West Virginia Camp Meeting. It's going to be a powerful, powerful week. God bless you, week. Kelly. We love you guys. Amber. You. Have a Hope. great one. Oh, you coming, Lenan? West Virginia. Uh, we're both going to be in Scranton this year. I'll be there in June, and Dad's going to be there in August? October. October. So June and October. And I'm going to go up to Honesdale to the second church they started for Tyler. Yeah. I saw Kyle was on here. Mm -hmm. I love the whole family. Absolutely. Christian, God, we love you too. Winona, the set, happy birthday. Yeah. Feels good to be 102. Love you guys. Have a great one. We'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.